You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. You're listening to episode 119. What you need to know about menopause with Maria and Kristen. This is a really beautiful episode. I feel so grateful to have Maria and Kristen come and join us to chat about all things menopause because I don't know about you, but the thoughts of menopause for many menstruators is very daunting and it's all hot flushes, (laughs) but it doesn't need to be that way. And I feel like there's a lot of paradigms around menopause like there are around menstruation. And we need to clear the air up. And so I invited Maria and Kristen from Wise and Well over on Instagram. That's wise underscore and underscore well underscore. They're two beautiful women from North America who are very much experts in the area of menopause. Maria is an FDN practitioner and Kristen is a broad certified nutritionist. They're plain spoken friends and practitioners who share a passion for women's health, but especially women's health at midlife. Now, as both themselves are menopausal, they've refined the art and science of thriving as a midlife woman based on both clinical and personal experiences. So they combined the individualized nutrition and lifestyle changes tailored to midlife women's needs with mindset coaching, lab testing, and hormonal replacement therapy education to help women thrive so that they can stop or prevent their health from spinning and spiraling out of control. And this is why I couldn't have thought of two better women to actually talk about menopause, because we need to clear the air about menopause, transitioning through menopause, and what we can expect. So in this episode, we together, the three of us, talk about what menopause is, how we can approach menopause, the hormonal changes that occur for menopause and during that process. We talk about signs of menopause approaching, how to prepare for menopause, the differences with our hormones and how they actually shift around. And we also talk about food and how different types of diets and ways of eating can support your cycle through menopause or actually hinder it. Not to mention, we talk about the estrogen changes because that's a really important one to note and the three top tips that you can take on if you are approaching menopause. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Maria and Kristen are two amazing women. And if you want to go check them out on Instagram as we chat, I would encourage you to do so. Head over to the gram and look up wise underscore and underscore well underscore and you'll find them there of course all the links are in our show notes but without any more hesitation let's jump into it this episode is brought to you by the well women academy the well women academy is my signature group coaching program it's a weekly membership together where we study menstrual cycles holistic health and how to reconnect with your body Every month, our Well Women access members-only self-paced educational content across a wide range of formats, including written, audio, video, and guided home study. Join me and women from all over the world as together we cover fields of ancestral health, Ayurveda, sexuality, sensuality, holistic health, and everything to do with your yoni. This is your chance to join an international community of supportive women to discover your cycle, your body, ignite your inner intuition, and illuminate your life. It's a cyclical sisterhood like no other, not to mention it's also cheaper than your daily coffee fix. To learn more and to join us, head to wellsome.com forward slash academy. That's wellsome, W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E.com forward slash academy. Kristen and Maria, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm really feeling so much gratitude to talk about a topic that I'm not an expert in today and that a lot of women are freaking the F out about, which is menopause. We hear you. There's, it's understandable why they're freaking out, but it's unjustified. Well, let's rewrite all of that today in, in this great chat. But before we jump into it, um, every podcast guest get, gets asked this question, but tell us what day of your cycle are you on and how you check in today. So Maria, I'll come to you first and then Kristen, you can answer. 
Wonderful. Um, so this is a very, very interesting question, which might just open up a can of worms. <laughs> um, and um, Kristen shaking her head. She knows exactly what I'm talking about because we are one brain, but that's a whole other story. Okay. So I'm menopausal and I don't have a cycle, but you can have a cycle in menopause. So that's the whole can of worms. And I'm talking about you can literally menstruate in menopause. It's more of a withdrawal bleed based on your type of hormone therapy. Uh, but so I don't currently have a cycle. So amazing. Do. Amazing. Okay. What's that, Kristen? And I do. I mean, technically I shouldn't, but the menopausal restoration, hormone restoration that I am choosing to do does include a withdrawal bleed. So there's technically a 28 day cycle in which my hormones um, are taken and applied. And right now I would technically be on day nine of my cycle. So I do get a bleed every 28 days. I was really excited to ask you both this question because I feel that a lot of women who get to the early menopause stage, so like perimenopause, that it's like, ah, stuff it, you know, something's happened and this has gone out the window and <laughs> I've lost control of my body. Um, but I'd love for you both to expand on this. So Maria, I, I have so many questions I want to ask you. I'm just going to give you both a heads up. But when it comes to menopause, let's actually, before we dive into like the whole, why do we not have a cycle and how do things change? Let's just talk about the different phases of menopause, because I think a lot of women get really confused between many menopause and perimenopause and postmenopause. <laughs> Isn't it just all menopause? So who, no. who'd like to answer that no, question? No, I'll, I'll do that. This is a little deja vu for me, but that's fine. <laughs> um, okay. All right. So um, and menopause is technically one day. It's the day, it's, it's the day that you realize 12 months have gone by and I haven't menstruated. That's menopause. Everything after that is post-menopause. Like the, we'll say four to 10 years prior to that day of menopause or perimenopause. Perimenopause is usually rife with symptoms. Those symptoms are, well, the, the real obvious symptom that wakes most women up is just period skipped. I went two months and didn't get a period. I got two periods in one, inside of one month. It's not the only symptom. Sometimes it could be hot flashes. Sometimes it could be migraines, things like that. So there's a panoply of symptoms, but Gemma, this is what I would say. We really don't like to focus on those uh, guide, you know, those guideposts too much because it doesn't really matter that much. Um, and you know, if you're a woman who is 48 and you have skipping periods, you're not menopausal, even if you go to your doctor and you have a very high follicle stimulating hormone test, which helps to kind of show nearness to menopause age. Or I would say, if you've gone 12 months without a period and you have a high FSH, you know, you're in menopause. If you've gone 12 months without a period, you're in menopause. So honestly, if you're 48, you've got hot flashes, you have low libido, and you know, your period comes every you know, two months, doesn't really matter whether you're in perimenopause or menopause. It really doesn't. So. Yeah. I mean, we, I'm so glad you cleared that up. Go, mm -hmm. yeah. No, I was going to say the imperative, this is, it goes to why Maria and I are so passionate about talking to women before they ever reach that point, mm -hmm. because the imperative of this phase of our cycle is that your ovaries are starting to create an insufficiency of hormones in the body. Now for every woman, that may be a different trajectory, right? It might be spiking. It might be just falling off a cliff. It might be a slow death. It might be whatever. The point is that regardless of how yours is manifesting, you are not living with sufficient hormones, period, dot. And that brings up a whole host of issues that go well beyond, you know, dry skin and painful sex and a declining libido and, you know, erratic cycles and everything else. And that's the part that never gets talked about. So we focus on those symptoms. We try and peg ourselves on the spectrum, but in reality, all of that is irrelevant to what actually the imperative is of this time of your life. So amazing because I feel that, sorry. <laughs> no, don't apologize. I'm like, so a lot of women, and I should really say menstruators who listen to this podcast and there's this men that listen to um, and if you're a male listening, thank you. But 
I feel there needs to be more understandable guidelines on how to prepare for the process of menopause and that it's not scary. Like if you really think about it, the way I like to think of the menstrual cycle, and we spoke briefly about this before we hit record, is that there's different transitional phases throughout your cyclical life. And then we have menarche, our first period, then we have understanding and getting to know menstruation, then we have family planning, then we have conception, and then we have labor and pregnancy, and then we have the birthing years, and then we have after the birth, this funny phase between post-birthing years and then menopause. The menopause is just another phase, right? And the approach that women have to getting to know their body before they conceive or before they start a family or plan to start a family, I think is the same, I guess, attention that they could apply to their body when they're uh, before they're approaching menopause, right? It's a really, really good point you're making. Yeah. But women don't really do that, right? Now, maybe because they're freaking scared about it. (laughs) So let's talk about that. But what are the most common, common like hormone shifts and changes that happen when a woman is going, you know, like entering that that phase of, oh, am I becoming menopausal or am I not becoming menopausal? Kirsten, you're going to say something. No, I was gonna say, I think like, I think of women as though they think they've got like a leash on them and they're being drugged through menopause, right? They're being like yanked towards it and pulled through it. And what you just said is we don't think of life that way prior to menopause, right? We, we understand where we're at. We leverage it for whatever, you know, our goals are, whether it's childbearing or just overall good health, whatnot. And going into menopause, we should bring that same mindset and same approach because the things that are happening in the background within your health because of declining hormones, if you had been told that these things were going to happen to you in your 20s, you would take action. But when we get into our late 40s and 50s, we just sort of be like, I'm a victim to it. And that's just the wrong mindset to go into it with because you do have tools to leverage to make sure that those things either are addressed or mitigated and women don't do that. They just kind of come into it and think, oh, hell, I'm here. And they get drugged through it. And that's part of what Maria and I kind of want to combat with our work is to say, yeah, you're here. So let's talk about it. Let's figure out what's going on. And then guess what? You do have agency over this. There are things that you can do. And you can have not just like an okay 50 years after 50, but a phenomenal 50 years after 50. So let's do that. I love that approach because there's just too many paradigms. Like if I think about if I placed my, so I'm 35 this year, but if I placed my trajectory of what my menopausal experience is going to be like based on what my mum went through, everyone was like, oh, your mum's menopausal. She's hormonal. She's hot flushes. She's just crappy. For 10 years, she was just this witch of a woman. (laughs) Sorry, mum, I love you if you're listening to this. But like, that's the projection okay well that's the path I'm taking right but it doesn't have to be like that and we can rewrite it so I think a great starting question for those who'd be listening would be like fuck like how do I know if I'm starting menopause or I'm going through that menopausal journey so what are some signs you mentioned you've already mentioned a few but some signs that a woman can check in with her body to be like okay what are some like the next the next stage is coming the next transition through my cycle is coming so what are some signs of menopause Periods that really start to shift. So that's a sign of perimenopause, not menopause. Um, And um, some women in perimenopause, and by the way, perimenopause is also, we also call it the menopausal transition. Um, Why do they call it pre-menopause? Where's where's the word peri peri, come from? It's just around the time of, it's around the time of the final menstrual period. Yeah. Um, and it's a time of, it's just a time of great change. So I think that just has a designation like that. Um, so it could be, you know, some women get hot flashes, some women get low libidos, um, some women get migraines. Um, some women just start to get anxiety. That's a big one. That's really sleep disruption, anxiety. Um, just even if they have a libido, maybe sex is painful because their vaginal lubrication seems to have gone away. Um, but then most women, they'll notice those symptoms fairly loudly. What they don't seem to associate is the metabolic changes. So suddenly the weight starts shifting from instead of being hips and thighs, it's more around the waist. We all feel like we kind of have that tire. Um, 
And then you kind of, I mean, most women would come in and say overall, what it feels like is that all the things they did in order to address how they felt and looked suddenly don't work any longer. It's this goalpost moving, right? And I love that description. Yeah, as soon as a woman feels like the goalposts have been moved on her, it's usually a point where we can say, well, you're in perimenopause. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of your first, you know, indication that things are shifting. And it doesn't mean you're not in control. It just means you need to change the things that you use in your toolbox. Adaption, totally. I think for for ladies or menstruators listening to this who are before, well before this perimenopausal phase, is that when you start living in a cyclical way and you get used to this whole birth, death, life process, as you start to approach this next transition in your cycle, you already know how to flow and adapt. You know how to shift and change your diet because you've been tuning in and listening to your body. But I can imagine there's a lot of menstruators who are entering this journey who don't know how to listen to their body or haven't been listening to their body. And then they're like, what the F is going on? So what are some ways that um, women can support this process before they actually hit the menopause? So they're in the perimenopausal phase, which is pre-menopause. How can they support their body with these shifts? And if they're like, okay, I'm getting weight, my libido has gone down, what can they do? I mean, Marie and I like to say it's about making as many deposits into your health savings bank as possible. You know, your body, (laughs) your body can be a phenomenal host for hormones in the second chapter of your life, but you need to change the deposits that you're making. Right. And they're not different. This isn't anything new and like, no one's going to be asked to do huge mind shifts. It's still eating the correct foods, um, mitigating stress, dialing in your sleep. You know, the sleep issue applies in the twenties, the thirties, the forties, the fifties, um, proper movement, right? So it's those same health foundations, those same pillars, but it's redefining them. Proper movement when you were 20s and 30s usually was a lot of cardio. You got a lot of endorphins. It was sort of kind of this endurance driving thing. Shifting into perimenopause, it needs to be strength training. You need to actually dial the cardio way back. Like we're talking one day a week. And it's difficult for women because they come into this, like, let's say they were a runner, right? And that like, that 5k run every day was kind of how they cleared their head and it's how they, you know, recharge for the day or got rid of the stress of the kids or the job or the husband, whatever. We understand it's hard to move away from that, but you have to move away from that to address what's happening with these hormones. Same thing with the eating. We don't often get a lot of women who are eating what we call the, you know, standard American diet or standard Aussie diet and having this sad kind of existence with Pepsi and Triscuits they're pretty savvy most of the time, right? They come to us and they're like, I eat really clean. And they might, but really clean doesn't necessarily mean eating properly in terms of how much are you feeding your body of certain macronutrients? You know, an egg and Ezekiel bread is not going to make satiety to cover you through the day. You're gonna wanna be eating your hand off as a snack by two in the afternoon. So it's just shifting. It's the same pillars of health. It's just shifting your understanding of what they need to look like at this time in your life. Does that make sense? It makes total sense to me. I hope everyone listening to this, it makes sense too, because I always say, you know, when I'm explaining um, the difference between the 28 day cycle of a female and the 24 hour cycle of a male is that the males are kind of pretty much the same, but once they get around that 40 age bracket, it's still the same, but it's just a slight change. So all of a sudden the hormones that they are producing, it just shifts. And therefore that's why their body stops producing as much melatonin. And so maybe that's why you might take melatonin or you might change your pre-sleep routine as an example, but your body's not the same your entire life. You need to adapt with that, like the weather. So I love like just shifting your direction and your focus is so important. Um, Oh, I'm loving this. Thank you. Maria, let's talk about um, the hormonal shifts that happen and change because we understand that in our normal menstrual cycle in the menstrual years, we have the four main hormones, estrogen, progesterone, FSH, the follicular hormone, the luteal luteinizing hormone in the, the last phase of our cycle. So how do these hormones change as we're approaching menopause? Great question because they they definitely change okay. in a like big what way. What can we look out for? <laughs> yeah. So um, first, uh, sex hormone to drop is going to be progesterone. 
And progesterone is really only produced uh, when we ovulate. And ovulation just starts to get a little wonky at some point. It could be 38, but it, you know, believe it or not, 42 to 43 is just, I speak to so many women that age range that that is just, just have, be aware if you're, if you're that age or you're approaching that age, we see pretty, pretty much a lot of shifts then. And then, um, progesterone will drop. And when progesterone drops, it does not come back. Okay. So if it, once it makes that plummet, it's pretty much gone, but estrogen will continue to shift from month to month. You could have a low estrogen month. You could have a high estrogen month. Um, the signal between the brain and the ovaries, it's just, I don't know what it is. It's just getting disrupted. We don't know exactly why it's probably just one of the, you know, things as we age that happens. And when that signal gets disrupted, you know, the, the hypothalamus pituitary, you know, it's just the ovaries are not making the, you know, the, the estrogen anymore, but then sometimes they do get that signal. When they do get that signal, we have a lot of estrogen um, and then we're estrogen dominant, but that's very temporary, very temporary. And we would say at a certain point, you know, women in their forties, they really need to kind of tune out the noise around it estrogen dominance because it doesn't apply to them or if it applies to them it's a moment in time and this is also another thing I like to say I don't, I don't we don't we we acknowledge estrogen dominance exists we acknowledge that it can be a problem but we don't really love the term because it also kind of tries to imply that estrogen is a problem and by our nature women are estrogen dominant that's our our dominant female hormone and it does so much good in the body. And you know, you'll 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 kind of maybe come across these large Facebook groups like estrogen dominance or you know estrogen support. And like women are talking about like I need to flush estrogen from the body. I'm like no 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 no. <laughs> no it's not like flushing out a good period. <laughs> and, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, and it's, it's yes. different than if you're 25 and estrogen dominant, right? Because then you probably do actually have an excess, a lot of estrogen. But Maria and I like to refer to it as you're actually progesterone insufficient, right? That's the difference in perimenopause because, and it gets confusing for women because they think, but I'm still having a period. Okay, take an ovulation predictor kit, try that for a couple months. What women don't realize, and it's always this like aha moment is that you can still have menstruation without ovulation. And also you don't need a lot of hormone on board to mount a period, to have a period. So a period is not really much, much of a sign of anything. Um, so yeah. So, so Gemma progesterone drops and then estrogen fluctuates, but then at some point progesterone drops and estrogen drops too. And then you've got really low hormones and that can happen in perimenopause late stage, but that is mm -hmm. definitely, that is the hormonal state status of the some point the in perimenopause mm -hmm. and men and yeah, yeah. And menopause. And, I, and I that's can imagine a really too. different story. Yeah. I can imagine too that the journey so if women are like so is that going to happen when i'm 42 or is it going to be 48 or is it 38 i can imagine though that because <laughs> yeah right who knows i feel and i'd love to, this is just my perspective of what i've seen i'd love to get both of your thoughts on this you know i teach in schools around menstruation and i've met a girl who's the youngest who i've met who's had a period at seven her first menstrual period was at seven she was very, she was 13. So I met her at 13. So she'd been menstruating already. And she was in a, in a group of girls, women, menstruators, who some hadn't even got their period yet. And well, meanwhile, she's already been menstruating for six years. Now, I feel that as a society, we are menstruating earlier in, you know, in our lifetime. And therefore, that could potentially bring our, mens our menopausal journey earlier on too. Is that like, what are your thoughts on that? Because I feel that menopause. That's possible. Is, yeah. 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 So it's hard to say when it's, it's going to happen. You because just need to be it's, it, with your body, right? Yeah. It's milestones. They think milestones of reproduction might be changing and, and nobody knows for sure why, but that really could be due to toxicity. 
Well, we also have the whole plant-based agenda is starting to impact girls' cycles. And starting to have amenorrhea. I mean, amenorrhea is becoming so common and it's horrifying um, because, you know, we're, we're essentially allowing nutritional things to usurp our female cycle. And it's just, you know, we don't know if this is going to come back. If you have amenorrhea, let's say at 34 years old and you're vegan and whatnot, you know, even if you change things, it's hard to know whether or not that signaling between the brain and the ovarian sufficiency is going to be there for you. Or if you're now headed towards an early menopause. Mm, I love that you mentioned this, Christine, because I... (laughs) So I, my, my career started out in the food industry. I was a food science formulator for seven years before I transitioned into coaching. And the, the movement to be this plant-based and I don't want to say animal lover necessarily because I choose to not eat meat with feet because I just my, my digestive system doesn't like it. But there's a lot of pressure. And I see like women in their late 20s, early 30s who were like, oh, my period's really sporadic and I haven't had it for a long time. And I'm like, let's talk about your food. So I'd love for you to expand on the links between can a plant-based diet affect our cycle and our menopausal journey or yeah. restrictive eating in, in that sense of like, it must be very, very restrictive and it has to only be in this particular, um, I guess, guidelines. Paradigm. Should we be, yeah. Yeah, sh- yeah. Should we, should we be more flexible? Well, I think we need to have more attention to certain priorities. I would put it that way, is that, you know, food is not just food, right? Food is providing us with vitamins, minerals, things that are cofactors, building blocks and whatnot for our sex hormones, our, you know, any steroid hormone, our thyroid hormone, our insulin regulation, all of that, right? So if we're eating a plant-based diet, A, we tend to be under eating calories a little bit. We are not getting certain types of fats that are essential for the production of certain hormones, we're missing out on B12, we're missing out on heavy iron, all of these things, which once the body is deprived of those long enough, it's not going to have the building blocks and the, you know, cofactors to have certain functions. And some of those functions happen to be brain modulating as well as our hormone modulating. So that's part of, you know, where we get really kind of focused on these women is to say clean eating in and of itself is not necessarily your friend. You need to be eating a certain amount of protein in order to address your hormonal landscape, period, dot. And, you know, we understand women come from a plant-based mentality for a lot of different reasons, but when your health starts to suffer, you cannot defend that way of eating. We are not designed to have our bodies break down because a certain way of eating is good for us. Okay. So that part of it, we need to just ask them, what is your goal? You know, what's your intention for your health long-term? Because if it is to live vibrantly and for, you know, a robust life where you're keeping up with your family members and, you know, a happy thriving person to be around, something's going to change. And, you know, too many women think they can out supplement their diet or they can out exercise their diet and all these things. And, you know, we have to kind of give them the hard truth that you still have to be mindful of your diet. There needs to be certain priorities and they have to be tailored for what stage of life that you're at right now. Totally. And to put that into perspective, I have a diesel Volkswagen van. And if I put unleaded gas or petrol in the van, I would blow the motherfucker thing up. And so I know that whatever best serves my car, I need to give to the car, regardless of what opinions are or, you know, the price, you know, sometimes the price is very different at the Bowser, but regardless, that's what my car needs. So that's what my car gets. It's, it's the same with children. We like infants, we give the child what the infant needs, not necessarily all this other stuff that, you know, oh, but it has to be this way or that way. But what if we just approached us saying like our health and the way we feed ourselves with our gas the same way? 
I love that. The, pro the problem with that is that we've got like now, so women that we tend to serve when we're talking about menopause and midlife and perimenopause is that, you know, the dominant narrative out there on Instagram and blog posts and things like that is like plant-based is so healthy, plant-based is so healthy. And, you know, we're not against plants, but what we are against is um, women not getting adequate protein and women being um, under mineralized and just being depleted because, you know, they're watching like a diet that maybe a 25 year old can get away with for a certain amount of time. But, you know, once you hit a certain age in midlife, that's just not going to serve you for various reasons. Yeah. So, we see a lot of I mean, women that we refer to as well-fed, but malnourished. Yeah, I like that. That's, mm -hmm. that's really good. And it just goes to show that we are so all individual that what works for one woman is not going to work for the other woman. And you need to just get to know your own body and where you are on your journey is what I would recommend. And then tailor your life to suit and support that. Yeah. And, you know, with you working with girls who are cycling and understanding their body, you know, I love seeing that there's more research and attention being paid to, let's say, your carbohydrate need may go up at a certain time during your cycle, right? Well, if we can embrace that, it shouldn't be such a difficult shift to accept that actually perimenopause and menopause, your carbohydrate tolerance diminishes and it declines because your estrogen is declining. And, you know, women think that they think of their cycle and they think of their uterus, right? Ovaries and uterus. But the reality is, is that estrogen and progesterone receptors exist in so many different places in the body. And one of the places happens to be the intestines and your body's ability to metabolize carbohydrates and regulate your insulin starts to change along with your hormonal change. And so this is where women are frustrated because they feel like the goalposts are being moved and they're following all these beautiful young things like you on Instagram who are eating certain things and they're 43 trying to eat the same thing. And they're like, either A, I'm starving or B, my hair is falling out or C, you know, I can't lose this weight still. I'm doing what they're doing and I don't look like them. And the reality is you don't cycle like them either. So, you're, you know, you're also at a different phase to them too. Exactly. Exactly. I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my Reset Your Cycle Masterclass series. This is a three-part live class series to transform your menstrual cycle knowledge and increase cycle confidence. Throughout three live classes, you'll discover understanding your cycle hormones, what they are, how they change throughout the four phases of your monthly cycle and how they contribute to how you feel. You'll also discover cycle disruptors and what you can do, those things that make you feel a little bit out of whack through your cycle off balance and impact your moods along with your hormones. And then we cover your cycle and natural contraception. Gain a better understanding of contraception, the good, the confusing, and how to choose a contraceptive method that serves you and your health goals. Head over to wellsome.com forward slash shop to learn more. That's wellsome, W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E.com forward slash shop and use the code cycle love to save 20% off. I'm really loving that we're having this conversation because I don't think enough women are aware of this. And I, I, even, I as a natural contraception teacher and natural fertility educator, I see women who are like, but I've been tracking with an app and you know, my, it said that I ovulated here and then this happened. I was like, honey, apps don't know you you'd like the app is the app connected with your thyroid <laughs> no it's not I'm sorry and it's interesting but because we place this um pressure on ourselves that oh well the Instagram world says that this infographic is going to support that so I better be doing the same thing and that's why it's so important I feel that at all these different phases of your cycle to work with someone who's specific at that phase, because that's going to teach you. It's kind of like adapting your personal trainer in the gym, mm -hmm. you know, to different stages. You know, you're not going to go to your yoga teacher and ask them to give you like, um, you know, a weight exercise or weight routine for the gym. It just wouldn't work. Um, let's go back to chatting about estrogen, because I know that there's a lot of misconception around estrogen in menopause and they're the whole hot flushes and they've got a huge estrogen surge and blah, blah, blah. But I think a lot of that comes around just the fact that we don't really know what's happening with estrogen. And just to go back to what you mentioned, 
progesterone is the first hormone to disappear in menopause and then estrogen is the last estrogen is also the first hormone that we get when we go through menarche and so it makes sense that it's the first to come and the first to leave yeah it's kind of like the friend that wants to help out at the party and comes early to help and then helps clean up at the end and leaves last so how can we better understand our estrogen balance through menopause and how our body responds to that with the sign, like I call them cycle signs. So like things like the hot flushes and the migraines and the, all the other stuff. Well, I just want to say estrogen actually is the middle hormone to leave. Testosterone okay. tends to be the last one to leave. So, so just to let you know that. Um, okay. Um, well, you know, there are some signs that are kind of associated with high estrogen and there are some signs that are associated with low estrogen. Um, and there's a little bit of crossover, but like if you say have hot flashes, that is low estrogen, end of story, convince me otherwise. It's not <laughs> estrogen dominance. Okay, great. It, yeah, it's probably not even a cortisol surge. I will say it could be, but you know, again, if you're 49 years old and you got a hot flash, you got low estrogen, I would bet my life on it, so. <laughs> um so and a lot you know, of these things like sore breasts you know dry vagina things like that women might think like oh my estrogen's high because my breasts are sore but it may be that your estrogen is still low it's again that it's unopposed from progesterone right so when we see women come to us and they're doing things that are supposed to address excess estrogen like taking dim supplements and eating broccoli sprouts as though they you know are water we hate to break it to them that they may have signs and symptoms of high estrogen and still be low estrogen. And so by using these interventions, they're actually throttling their estrogen even further and exacerbating their own experience. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah. Fire on fire. Yeah. Mm, that makes total sense. It just makes me think about like for myself and my own, in my own cycle journey, I go to the, the general practitioner doctor every six months and I just get my blood work done. I get all my hormones tested and I've been doing this for roughly eight years now. So I have 16 different types of blood reports that I can compare so I can see how my body is transitioning. And I actually encourage all women to do this. Would you suggest that's a really good supportive way of seeing how your hormones are shifting towards that tail end of your menstrual years yes but <laughs> when it depends like what you're looking for and day of cycle that you're testing so if you're testing like on day three and you're looking at it and you need to look at estradiol so i don't know if that's something that you test Gemma, but if you're looking mm -hmm. at it it just it totally depends you, you know testing on day three you're gonna look like a nearly like a menopausal level what you want to do is like test about a day before your uh, day before you ovulate, because you're going to get a nice spike of estrogen then. And you know, mm. if you don't get that spike of estrogen, then that doesn't push ovulation. So exactly. yeah, exactly. A lot of women will say they have these blood tests, but we, we always have to ask them, do you remember when they were taken? Because if they weren't taken round about day 12, really not that meaningful. And we would hate to see women, you know, embrace interventions based on blood tests that are not pegged at the appropriate time in their cycle. Such an important point because so many women don't recognize or even remember or know what day of their cycle they're on. And I see this in the menstrual years. Women are like, oh, my hormones are all out of whack, like all over the place. And I was like, do you know what day of your cycle you had your tests on? <laughs> and they don't. They just, they don't know. They just go whenever they go to the doctor. Um, exactly. Yeah. So that's a really good point. So if women are wanting to specifically do some blood work, leading towards that menopausal phase what is the best day of the cycle to get tested on is it around the day 12 time well it's it could be like the day 12 or 13 um to see but it could also be day 21 uh if they have a regular cycle because we'll get to see like the balance of progesterone to estrogen at that point so we like mm. those two dates but again that kind of that somewhat goes out the window when the cycle becomes unpredictable and irregular. Yeah, when it's longer, you, you know, and a lot of women, if they're trying to gauge off their ovulation time, they might have a stress cycle because they've just sold their house and they're moving house and packing up three kids and, and a husband because technically that's like four kids. 
I'm packing them all up to move and they don't realize that their ovulation is delayed and then you know that contributes and so the more I would say to it to a menstruator is the more connected to your cycle you are and you're aware of your ovulation and fertile patterns all of that's going to actually make you more confident as to what day is important to get tested on yeah for sure um I'm loving all of these conversations around (laughs) everything menopause I'm learning so much So let's shift the gear a little bit. I'd love to talk about the paradigms of menopause because yes, we can understand what goes on in the body, but I think there's a lot of emotional stress, maybe even trauma and paradigm around what is expected to occur in menopause. What do you see is is something that's really, I guess you could say brainwashing women's experience towards menopause? Well, I mean, I honestly think menopause kind of takes a lot of women by surprise. Yeah. I mean, maybe they have recollections of their mom, but like, I I still think most women are pretty stunned because what we get is like, we'll get women who are like, oh, my period is skipping, you know, 45 years old. Is this normal? I'm like, yeah, it probably is. It could be due to stress. It could be due to like lack of ovulation. So they're just a little surprised. That's, that's what I find mostly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Women start you, to feel like uncomfortable in their own skin. And it's sad because, you know, you're, you're at this time of life where you should be very clear as to who you are. And suddenly you're not sure about all that because things start to be feeling like they're out of control. And so we see a lot of women just, you know, they're exasperated, frustrated, and sometimes a little scared. What does this mean? you know, what's happening here. And it's, it's not a life sentence. I think we talked about this before we came out. It's not a punishment. Menopause is not a punishment, you know? Um, but I think that's partly why they have that fear towards it, or at least a negative connotation towards it. I, I have chills just about this thought that I've got. Um, I studied ancestral health and Ayurveda. So I love knowing like all the stuff that used to happen, you know, hundreds of years and centuries mm-hmm. ago. Um, but they would say that women who've been through that menopausal journey and are no longer bleeding, they're the wise women and they're the women who guide the younger women. And, you know, there's a beautiful lady um, that I follow, Jane Hardwick Collins and um, Collins in Australia. She's known as like the midwife witch. She's late sixties, maybe early seventies. And she is this wise woman who just is like, this is the way. <laughs> and I feel like it's such a, an, an exciting new phase in the way that I kind of see it from the, the women that I've seen go through the journey. It's kind of like having your kids is fun, but then becoming a grandmother is even funner. <laughs> you know, like that next phase of like, oh, I've got kids around again. Um, and I think it's something to really be embraced, not scary. But I know that a lot of women think that going through that journey is scary. So what guidance would you give to a menstruator who's like, oh, I'm a bit scared about this whole menopausal thing. Just to empower themselves with knowledge and probably, you know, I think Kristen uh, touched on this before, like you just want to have the health pillars dialed in, the digestion, sleep, stress. Um, but, you know, another thing that is really, really important for women that sense that they're starting to change and they might be, you know, going into menopause in the next year or two. And again, we don't know that, but, you know, I think sometimes as women, we can kind of tell, I knew for me when that was happening, my period was shifting around and I realized it was perimenopause. I was like, Oh, I think this is menopause is not too far away is you really, you need to educate yourself about your options because as good as these health deposits are, you know, eating uh, great food and getting rest, um, most women are going to need some hormone replacement therapy. Now that's not ancestral. And I get it. We mm-hmm. really like the ancestral template. We like to consider, you know, the, we like to consider the fact that, you know, it's not really natural and normal to be plant-based, like being plant-based in the, in the 21st century is a privilege. And that's a privilege because you have the stuff you need, the B12, you know, the fat, you know, the omega fats or whatever, algae, not that we like that, but you, we have that stuff. So that's a privilege. That's, that's Mm. not our natural template. So now you're probably saying, oh my gosh, they just mentioned hormone replacement therapy. That's not ancestral, but it's also not ancestral, right? Or not expected for us to live past menopause. So hundred years ago, we were only living to about age 50 if we were lucky. 
average age of menopause is 51. So that's like kind of where we Love will depart this. with the ancestral way because you know we are living we can live to 100 if yeah. we're lucky right i love that you mentioned that yeah, yeah. we've had that challenge someone has said i'd like to know what the ancestral paradigm is for menopause I'm like <laughs> there it's is not death. i mean <laughs> yes. <you know? laughs> sorry to break it to you but you know, we start celebrating that future ceremony <laughs> <laughs> but i mean 60 year old women you know were the village elders yeah. right and I would be willing to bet that in 2021, if you found a 60-year-old woman on the street and asked her, does she feel as though she's the village elder, she'd probably smack you because she doesn't want to be the village elder. At 60, she mm -hmm. can still be thriving and traveling yeah. the world and playing with her grandchildren and doing these things that weren't sitting in the tent waiting for everyone to come and ask her questions. That's the 80-something-year-old, right, mm -hmm. today. So that mm -hmm. ancestral framework is important to understand that it's still a thriving time of a woman's life, but it's outliving our biological processes in ways that we haven't before. So there is an imperative that we have to answer to. And, you know, Maria touched on HRT, but we have to talk to women about understand what that hormonal insufficiency means for your longevity. And if you look at the incidence of dementia and Alzheimer's, it's predominantly women, not men. There's a reason for that. If you look at the rates of cardiovascular disease after the age of 50, 55, it's predominantly women, not men. Why? If you look at osteoporosis, you're not seeing a lot of men walking around with humped backs. Why? And it comes down to estrogen insufficiency. And that's a scary mm. thing for a lot of women to think it's like, but you just told me this is going to happen. And this is natural. You're saying, yes, the insufficiency is natural, but the happening of these diseases of aging doesn't have to be. And that's where the HRT piece comes in. I, I just, I'm just loving this episode so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a really big believer in the integration between what you can do for yourself and then what medicine can provide. Yes. Um, you know, I've worked with a lot of women who choose to have the medical option and that's important to them. And it's important, I feel, for them to feel confident in making that decision and then applying also what they can do themselves. You know, it's kind of like in like really brief layman's terms, taking the drugs, but they're not changing anything in your lifestyle to support your health. Right. You know, it's really important to integrate the two. And I feel that with um, ancestral knowledge, a lot of it is around tradition. So it's around the rituals and the blessings and the connection and the communication between you and the people who you live with or the people around you and nature, rather than like, okay, so when I was 44, I started to do this. <laughs> so I love that you mentioned that. So let's talk about how we can educate ourselves around our hormonal options. And um, because this is all new to me, I'd love to know, like, what are some of the options um, that women take when they're entering this phase of their journey? We can be here. start with one caveat, and that is you have these options, but you have to also be a prepared host for these options. So for women in this allopathic mindset that exists in our world, whether it's taking a B12 supplement or taking an estrogen patch, if you have not dialed in the other work, you cannot ask that or expect that intervention to work for you. So Maria and I frequently get women will be like, give me the deets. Tell me what I should go ask my doctor for. And we don't mean to be like coy and cagey and be like, come work with us. We're saying, we have a few things to tell you that matter before you start those hormones on board. So mm -hmm. that would be my one caveat. And I'll let Maria go into the HRT. Yeah. I love I that mean, one. Thank you. It's super important. And honestly, Gemma, we could do, we teach this process of what do you want for hormones? Why do you want hormones? Why is it important? How do I do it? Do I want a patch, a pill, a cream, an injection? How long am I on it for? What do I need to do to support my hormones? What happens when it starts working? We take at least two weeks of coaching. To, to, it sounds yeah. similar to contraception. 
the conversations you'd have around contraception in the sense that, okay, so what are your goals? Where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Where are you currently? Um, You know, like what's your goal with your partner? What's your personal goal? Where's your current health at? And then if they choose to say, get a hormonal IUD and that's their own personal preference. Okay. Well, how can we support the body with that choice? And then, and then if they choose to be like, you know what, I just want to go through a natural contraceptive process. Like, how can I learn that? Uh, For me teaching a a client that, or in my Academy that I run, it's minimum three months, minimum to learn the basic foundations before you can really start applying it. It sounds very similar with, with understanding hormonal. It is somewhat similar. Yeah. Yeah. Two months to run women through kind of understanding the hormonal landscape, understanding some imperatives, all of the health considerations that need to be considered dialed in and worked on first takes a lot Mm -hmm. of unlearning sometimes and relearning. And then we get to the HRT piece. And, you know, sadly, we can't rely, at least in the States, we cannot rely on conventional doctors to, um, be informed, let alone present all the options, let alone invest in a woman during this phase in her life. So we are adamant that women need to be empowered on their own. If you walk into a doctor's office and ask to talk about hormone therapy and you don't know everything there is to know about it before you get into that office, odds are you're going to have a pretty poor experience with it. Absolutely. And not only just a poor experience, you're not going to feel empowered, like you're being served with what your goals are. Yeah. I, I see that um, with women who go into the doctor who want to come off the contraceptive pill or they want to get the IUD removed. And it's a totally different p- process, but the fact that they're both journeys in the cycle, actually it kind of makes them very somewhat, they have a lot of similarities in the process. Um, but I would just say that, you know, definitely I love working with women before they go and get help from a general practitioner, as we'd call it here in Australia, because if you think about it, general practitioners, and I've got a couple of friends who are general practitioners, they don't learn all the intricate things about every, every like everything. You know, the body is really intricate and there's a lot of processes and like. Or if they, they know can, it, they don't have the time. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's why it's really important to have complementary services and partners as a part of your team for your health. For sure. And that's the thing. Um, We never try and tell a woman, don't use a doctor, whatever. We're saying, know what you need for your body and then know how to find the right doctor. We coach our women with literally how to interview. What are the questions you need to ask them? And what are the responses that should make you say yay or nay to that physician? And then absolutely use them. We provide a huge referral list for our clients for that exact reason, because we think they are an essential part of a woman's health plan in the second phase of her life. But they just by design of the system are not prepared to really help her on all those things that go into it. Totally. Oh, we could talk about this forever. Um, and not, in, not even just that, I think also understanding your mental um, health and your emotional health around that process too is really important. And so um, working with a coach or a guide, like a guider like yourselves around this journey is going to actually support you in getting the most out of your experience with your doctor uh-huh. rather than leaving. And I find a lot of women or menstruators leave and they feel unempowered and they feel, oh, I didn't really get what I wanted. And it's kind of like when, you got, when you're single and you're dating, you need to know what you want and what's important to you so that you can present all, your, all of the required desires on the table. Um, ladies, this has been so wonderful. Um, I'd love to ask one final menopausal question and I'll get you to both answer this and then we'll ask, I'll ask the final podcast question. Um, for a woman who is approaching menopause, what are three tips that you would, you would give, um, give her? Dial in digestion, get sleep and learn about your options for hormone replacement therapy before it's too late. And it, and it pretty much does get to be too late at some point because women have, a safety window in which they can begin that process. So just on that, when is this, like when would be a good time to kind of explore that? If your period is shifting around okay, and, and you're, 
you know, in your forties and it's kind of, you know, not just like a one shot deal, like it changes a day or something, but you know, if you're, if you're getting to the point where you've gone 60 days without a period, I don't, I hate to give exact, you know, numerals, but, or then like next month you get two periods in a month and then it disappears for three months. You need to learn about hormone therapy and do all the health supportive things. Okay, great. And I think a menstruator knows when the cycle is shifting, if you're connected with your body and oh, sure. mm-hmm. and you're intuitive and you listen, you've been doing this for a little while. And if you're, you know, uh, even my age, any age connect with your cycle and learn about what your body's trying to tell you, you notice those shifts, you know, like if my cycle is like two days early or three days, like behind when it's predicted, like, I, I know that that's going to happen. It's not a surprise to me. Um, all right, Kristen, what would you recommend? I mean, I'm going to take the, the, some of the lifestyle stuff again. I'm going to say you need to eat optimal protein. You really, really need to increase your protein. And that's fine if you don't want to eat meat with feet, but you need to be eating you know, at least eggs and fish and all those good things. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to start to change your movement choice. So it's not something women love to hear, but you need to start strength training. You're not going to become muscle bound once you start into this perimenopause phase, because you're probably not going to have enough hormones on board to actually bulk up. Um, so, but the muscle is your organ of longevity. It really is going to protect your bones. Um, it's really going to be your friend long-term. So strength train, eat your protein. And I'm going to echo Maria's sleep, sleep, sleep. You got to get your sleep figured out. And now to be fair, some women really do have a lot of sleep disruption with hormone problems or hormone insufficiency. But we've never come across a client who hasn't had some sleep hygiene things that they could tweak a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think we all could. Oh, no, I could. <laughs> uh, ladies, I've loved having you on the show so much. Um, how can our listeners find you? Because I'm sure there's going to be some women either in the future who are going to want to find you or want to find you right now. Well, they can follow us on Instagram. So we're wise and well. And... They can follow us on Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks. So we have, we got off the Facebook platform. We recognize, you know, a lot of what's been going on with privacy concerns, censorship, and just noise. You know, it's been a difficult year for everyone and across the globe. And we wanted to create kind of a closed community in which people could engage and we could deliver richer content than we can on Instagram. So we have a Mighty Networks community and I can drop that link to you if you want it. I would love that so much. And I'll share all of those links in the podcast show notes on my website. Um, This is just such a beautiful conversation to have around menopause because I think not enough people talk about it. And I'm really glad that we got to do this today. So thank you so much for joining me. I have one final podcast question and now it's switching (laughs) gears a lot. And I ask every guest this question. So um, I will come to you first, Kristen, but what are three guiding tips that you would give to your younger menstruating self? So think back to when you first got your period, what are three things you wish you had have known that you now know today? Oh gosh. Some of these are going to be more esoteric, but I would say, okay. Love your body. It's working, Mm -hmm. you know, um, listen to your body. The body is so wonderful at communicating to us. And I find that everything from, I I was someone who had a lot of cystic acne and super heavy periods. Um, Educate yourself. I didn't know what my body was telling me. So I inadequately addressed its needs and then I hated it. And so I would say, educate yourself love yourself and forgive yourself because those are, it's a tough time coming into your twenties and thirties, a lot of expectations on you. Um, your body is not failing you and it's not working against you. You're just not in touch with it quite. So the work that you're doing, Gemma, honestly, I think is fabulous. Cause if I had had that as a teenager and 20 something, I think that my years would have been a lot different. And I, you know, I appreciate that you're doing that for women. Thank you. My years would have been very different too. And I loved all of those. (laughs) So thank you. What about you, Maria? Um, Yeah. So I really learned about the phases of the cycle and when you have energy and when you can, when you should nest and um, really a little bit later in life. And if I had known, you know, in my twenties and thirties about how to manage my energy and my mood and my expectations of myself based on the different, you know, hormonal phases of the cycle. I mean, I look back and I, I say to myself, oh yeah, 
that's why that happened. And right, that was because I was ovulating. I was all happy. And, you know, that's and then such the- a bitch. <laughs> 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 I think about that too. I was like, oh, sorry, And then mom. like the luteal phase. Oh yeah. I mean, like it's, it's, and also um, it's okay. Like to feel like you want to slow down a little bit. And so just like having that knowledge of the phases of the cycle for me, when I first learned it was life changing and, and I, I, I'm guessing you teach on that and that's valuable information. So that's what I would, would do. I think as women, we are taught or we're at least led to believe that being in touch with our body in that way is either a little woo-woo or it's almost indulgent. And I kind of resent that now because I think had we known there's something amazing about being a woman and this is coming from someone, I mean, Maria and I have seven boys between the two of us. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wow. We love boys. Um, and I think boys are phenomenal and wonderful, but as a girl, we kind of come with this, like we're almost handicapped by our hormones when in reality we can really be empowered by those hormones. If we understand. Totally. Totally. You're, I always say your period is your superpower because you, you, you know, that, that the menstrual time of your cycle, the menstruation phase ha- occurs because of all the other phases. And so that's what becomes your superpower. Um, But thank you. And thank you so much for sharing. I have absolutely loved this episode. And I know everyone who's listening has definitely learned something because I've been learning a lot. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, Any final parting words? I mean, I would say women, if you're coming up to this time, you can have a phenomenal 50 years. Um, You can have great sex. You can love yourself, you can love your body, you can sleep well, you can love your husband or partner, whatever. Um, This is, you have the opportunity to have a phenomenal 50 years. Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Women Podcast. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister, or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag WellWomenPodcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle. 